The Spectator magazine combines incisive political analysis with books and arts reviews of unrivaled authority. Subscribe today for just £12 and receive a 12-week subscription in print and online, plus a £20 Amazon gift voucher, absolutely free. Go to spectator.co.uk forward slash voucher. Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American power, politics and society. On each episode, I will talk to an American expert or an expert on America about something that's going on in America in 2023. I'm very pleased to be joined today by Charles Lipson, who is a much-loved spectator contributor and a professor of political science at the University of Chicago. And we are going to be talking about Joe Biden's ongoing docudrama. Uh, Charles, I say ongoing, but I think in the last few days, it's probably fair to say the story has petered out a little bit. The FBI conducted another search of Joe Biden's home, his beach house in Delaware, in search of more classified documents and didn't turn up any classified documents. And I imagine that people in Biden's circle are hoping that this story will go away. Uh, But I think you're going to say that it won't go away and for very good reason. Am I right in saying that you will say that? And if so, why will this story not go away? I I think it will go away as a media story because these things have a kind of half-life of a few days unless there's uh, new fuel for for the fire. But I don't think it'll go away as a legal issue because Uh, There are special counsels that are looking into it. The problem with a special counsel is that unlike uh, the rest of the Department of Justice, they really have a single mission and they kind of fail in their mission if they don't come back with something to indict or whatever. The, The problem, problem or constraint or whatever you want to call it, is that it is a long-standing rule of the Department of Justice that a sitting president cannot be indicted for any crime. He can be sued in civil court, unfortunately. I think that ought to be postponed, actually, until he's out of office or she's out of office. But they can't be indicted because otherwise you would have... It, it would override, in effect, anything that... The, the political branch could do, that this is something that is really supposed to go to Congress if they think that a person needs to be impeached. But there's a, there, there are two problems, I would say, that have not gotten sufficient attention, Freddie. One is that there are some documents that Joe Biden had that appear to be classified it came from his Senate career. Now, that might seem obscure, and boy, that was a long time ago, and so forth. And all that's true. The problem is, senators don't get any classified information except when they're in what's called a SCIF, a secure, a compartmentalized place to read this secure information. And so we don't know how he got it out of there. Yeah. So that's one problem. There's actually a third problem. A second problem is that we, he has 1,800 boxes of material from his Senate career 
that are at the University of Delaware. We don't know if that's been searched or not, and the White House won't say. And then the third problem is that the family business is essentially trading on Joe's name to make money for other people in the family. One of life's little lessons uh, related to Hunter Biden is never let a drug drug addict be your bag man. (laughs) But the fact is, there are some of Hunter's communications that appear to have fairly technical material that's beyond his ability in those texts. And we need to make sure that none of that came from government documents that he should not have had access to, because we do know that Joe Biden has stored documents in places that basically anybody could walk in and look at. Mm. Well, and another interesting dimension, which you've written about a bit, is the Penn-Biden Center. And there have already been connections between Hunter Biden's laptop and this center. It seems that the Biden family enterprises were using this center as part of their kind of, um, essentially, it seems to have been the the years after the Obama years, where Joe Biden himself made quite a lot of money. The family certainly were looking to kind of cash in on his status in various ways. And the Penn Biden Center did this a lot. And a lot of money appears to have come to the University of Pennsylvania from China at that time. And there's a lot of questions going to be asked about that. And I heard it from quite a good Democratic source in Washington that the reason Ron Klain, his chief of staff, resigned was that he knew that there was ugly stuff about to come on this issue. I'm not sure we've seen that ugly stuff yet. Do you think that's going to be the story that could blow up? Well, the great American baseball player Yogi Berra said it's really hard to predict, especially about the future. (laughs) Uh, And uh, he's a philosopher that uh, I trust more than Wittgenstein. (laughs) But the the fact is, I I would be surprised if that's the reason that Klain resigned, and I'll tell you why. The job of White House Chief of Staff is just a burnout job. And people don't last in it more than a couple of years. You just, you do it, then you leave. And and that just makes perfect sense to me. Mm. Now, that's separate from the other aspect of your question, Freddie, which is, is there bad stuff about to come from the Penn Biden Center? So let's talk about what that is, just so everybody's on the same platform here. The University of Pennsylvania, which is in Philadelphia, founded by Ben Franklin, wanted to set up a center in Washington, D.C., which is quite reasonable, actually. A lot of universities have a center in Washington because our students have internships. They want to go to Washington either to take a course or two about American government or to to work with a congressperson or senator or whatever as an intern. So a lot of places set those up. So here, So what are the problems? Uh, The first problem is that Biden's attorneys searched the documents at the Penn-Biden Center and found some classified documents that should never have been there. They will not tell us why they were searching that center. So we don't know, for example, if there was a grand jury that was investigating Hunter or, or a Chinese donor or something else. We just don't know. Mm. Second item, 
We don't know how the Penn Biden Center was truly funded. The University of Pennsylvania has said that no funds were donated specifically for that center, but you could donate money to the University of Pennsylvania, which it shuffles into the center. And we know that it received between 30 and $50 million from Chinese donors. And donors don't give that kind of money without wanting something. So we need to know what that is, and Penn won't tell us. Uh, the president of the University of Pennsylvania was then appointed as U.S. ambassador to Germany, where she is now serving. She's a very reputable person and is the daughter, I believe, of Holocaust survivors and, and is a very senior scholar as well. So I'm not saying anything negative necessarily about her, but there's that thing too. And finally, the Penn Biden Center served as a secure resting place for the entire, what you would call the shadow cabinet, but Joe Biden's shadow cabinet between the period he was vice president and the period he ran for president. This was a place where they could all have an appointment, get a lot of pay. Joe Biden himself got almost a million dollars and not have to do really much of anything. Mm. Uh, Joe Biden called himself a professor. He gave two lectures, I believe. But the, the fact is there's just a lot there but in the end, I think it all boils down to three things. Classified documents, the family grifting, and the Chinese connection to that grift, if any. Mm. The timing is interesting, too, because, as you say, there was this search conducted at the Washington office of the Penn Biden Center on November the 2nd, and suspicious minds immediately ask... Is that anything to do with the midterms? I mean, the midterms coming up in a few days. Possibly was there fear in Biden circles that with a everybody expected there to be a Republican House, which there now is, albeit not by the majority that was anticipated at the time. And there was a lot of talk about investigations into the Hunter laptop business, into various parts of Biden's life. Do you think it's overly cynical to suggest that perhaps that search was connected to a fear of investigations? We don't know why the search was conducted and the White House won't tell us. It could have been conducted because, in effect, they were required to by some grand jury. Mm. It could have been conducted as a get ahead of the story politically. What we do know is that no one knew about the search until after the election. I don't think you would have conducted a search and kept it secret if what you wanted to do was make sure it was old news by the time the Democrats uh, were out of power and the Republicans came in. I, I would say that Biden's real problem in, in all of this, his, I should say first that Biden is really on an upswing right now. If you talk to Democrats, and I talk to a lot, 
they're very enthusiastic about what Biden has accomplished and so forth. That wasn't true in the first year or so, but they feel like the economy is going well. He's gotten a lot of legislation. He won't get any more legislation through, given that we have a, a, a Republican House now, but he he's done a lot. And they're uh, optimistic. And of course, they're keeping him out of sight because he's increasingly old and kind of it tells and he makes mistakes whenever he goes off script when he's mm. not reading something uh, so they don't have press conferences and so forth um, but his real vulnerability uh, first of all there's a lot of opposition to Trump among independents and, and a lot of well-educated Republicans uh, Trump still has some of his base, but there are a lot of people who just want him to be yesterday's news and think that Ron uh, DeSantis, the governor of Florida, and other candidates could beat Joe Biden, but that Trump could not. Hmm. Okay. Where is Biden vulnerable? We can go into that. Go ahead. Well, I was going to ask about Biden and China because there's a suspicion among Trumpists that Biden is vulnerable on China, possibly because of Hunter, but possibly because whereas Trump certainly changed the relationship between America and China, Biden has had a, a slightly different approach. I don't think it's been a, a, a sea change. I think generally American policy is not necessarily to do with the president on this issue. I think America is confronting China as a rival superpower now. And Biden, of course, shot down this balloon this weekend. But nevertheless, there's a sense among uh, possibly paranoid Republicans that Biden is a bit of a shill when it comes to China, in the way that Trump uh, was accused of being a shill when it came to Vladimir Putin. I think that there's widespread bipartisan cooperation in Congress that China is our biggest long-term threat and that that's what we have to confront. But the problem is that the most immediate threat now is in Ukraine, and that's from Russia. Mm. As you kindly pointed out, I write often for Spectator, and which is a wonderful outlet. And I've said from the beginning that China was not helped by Russia doing this invasion. And I would say also that this balloon is just a moronic, self-inflicted wound by the Chinese. I mean, you, you couldn't think of a way of irritating Americans more than sending a big old balloon across the middle of the country collecting intelligence information. They don't seem to be very hepped up about the fact that their children are all using TikTok and giving personal information, but using the balloon over their houses, and they say, hey, wait a minute. (laughs) I think that the problem is that, so we've got those two big, if you will, great power challenges, plus the problem of Iran going for a nuclear weapon. So our hands are really quite full, and Democrats don't want to put money into defense expenditures because they want to allocate that money to social expenditures. And there's a movement among Republicans that looks more nationalistic 
and and there is surprising amount of opposition within the Republican Party to even funding what's going on in Ukraine now, which a lot of people think is important geostrategically and a very cheap way, actually, to hold the Russian bear at bay. Hmm. Uh, Britain has just been marvelous on all of this. But I would say that most elections in the United States, very rarely, are elections in the United States about foreign policy. Mm. They're about domestic policy. And the big issues are going to be what's happening with the economy, what's happening with crime, what about the border, which appears to be wide open to the South in the United States and is letting literally millions of people come in the country. Uh, so those issues are going to be the overriding issues and not what to do about China unless there is a fighting war or uh, a direct invasion. And even the Ukraine story is kind of low on people's voting list. Mm. Going back to Biden and China, we still don't have a good answer for the who is the big guy question in that email, which perhaps you'll oh, explain to who the big guy in question is. But just so everybody's on the same page, there's written documentation of a deal that Hunter Biden was striking with Chinese potential partners. And the question was, how were uh, the profits on the American side to be divided up? And there was a written note that 10% was to go to, quote, the big guy, but it was to be hidden. But what you don't know about that, besides the fact that that is a kind of weak amount of proof, if you were to present it in court, is that since you're trying to trade off of your political connections, you might be hinting to the other side that a candidate for president and the former vice president was directly involved, when in fact he might not have been. Mm. So you just can't really be sure. What's incredible to me, Joe Biden has denied everything. He said, I don't know anything, and I never knowingly helped what uh, any of the family members were doing, and I didn't profit from it. Mm. So all three actually have to be investigated. And I've got to say, the idea that he didn't know anything, that his son flies in on Air Force Two, that is the official plane, Mm. has meetings with Chinese financial officials, comes back with a deal that Goldman Sachs and our biggest banks couldn't get, flies on the airplane with his father for 22 hours, I think, coming back, and they never discuss any of it? Is that credible to any parent? with an adult child, it's just inconceivable to me. And then we have a lot of meetings that Joe Biden is holding with his son Hunter's partners. And people are bound to be asking, if you're a senior official, why am I holding this meeting? My time is scarce. Why am I holding this meeting with this person? And if the answer is because your son Hunter wants you to, you're going to say, well, wait a minute, why? What, what, what's happening here? And Joe's playing golf with these people and so forth. So it's just incredible. It's just an ordinary citizen for me to think, well, gee, nothing, uh, nothing to see here. Let's move along. Mm. Uh, but that's different from being able to prove it. Let's go back to the timing again, because at the turn of the year, as you suggested earlier, 
there was a lot of talk about how Biden was on a, he'd had a good six months. The midterms didn't go as badly as anyone expected. He passed a lot of, uh, he got a lot of legislative things accomplished. Uh, the economy seemed to be turning around. And the sort of uh, the memos coming out of the White House and so on were very bullish about the, the second half of his first term. And then around mid-January, the anticipation was that he was about to announce that he would um, quell any speculation about whether or not he was going to resign by announcing early and saying he would run again some point early this year. And then almost out of nowhere, you get this story, which did originally happen in November, you get the story coming out and you get normally pro-democratic media talking about it a lot. And so the speculation among possibly conspiracy theorists on the right was that perhaps this was a move in democratic circles to scupper Joe Biden. Do you put any, do you hold any, do you think that holds any credence? You know, it's so interesting when you try to impute motives like this and, of course, that would be a, a, a motive, but you can't be sure. And it seems to me to be a stretch too far. I'm sure that there were people who would like to undermine him uh, that would have been happy to put out, even within the Democratic Party, because they thought he was a weak candidate. But as he's gotten stronger with the economy doing better, that's gone away. But if it does remind me of a story which may be apocryphal at the end of the Napoleonic Wars where a group of diplomats were meeting and they were supposed to be joined by a Russian emissary and that emissary died en route to meet them. And one of the diplomats said, what do you suppose he means by that? <laughs> That's so... You can impute meaning where it really, where you don't have any evidence for it and where there really wasn't that, the meaning. There, there could have been, we always tend to look for who benefits mm. for things. And, and that's an important thing to do, but that doesn't mean that that's what's driving, that's what's driving things. I think the big problem for the Democrats is not only Joe Biden's age, but the fact that Kamala Harris is such a weak number two figure. Mm. But because she's African-American and because Democrats can't win without not only a complete um, uniform vote by African-Americans in their favor, but a high turnout among them, mm. uh, they really will find it incredibly hard to ditch her, yes. even if she's a clearly weak candidate because there's no obvious African-American candidate to take her place. There's no obvious female African-American candidate to take her place. And, uh, and any of the Democrats who might want to replace her on the ticket would find that it could scupper their chances later to run for president if they were seen as undermining uh, a prominent high-profile African-American female. So uh, Kamala Harris has just been an embarrassment in in her position, but the Democrats are kind of stuck with what to do. Well, bearing in mind your Yogi Berra quote about predicting, I, I would like to ask you quickly, do you think Kamala Harris will be the vice president in 2024? 
if Joe Biden runs, I think he's got no choice but to to keep her on the ticket. Yeah. For all the reasons that I've just suggested, plus one more, he would be in, in effect saying that the first major decision that he ever made running for president uh, the last time was incorrect. Yes. So he would be admitting a mistake, and politicians hate to admit mistakes. So I, I just think he's he and we are kind of stuck. In, in a certain way, it gives him protection because the last thing anybody wants to do is see her step into the Oval Office. She, there may be hidden strengths there, but they are certainly well hidden. Very well hidden, yeah. Um, Charles, I want to finish by asking you about the classification of documents in America. I did a piece, and it was perhaps a silly introduction, but I'd said at the beginning of the piece that whereas Britain's floor is the class system, America's great floor is the classification of documents. I think that it is a sort of American obsession, classified documents. And clearly, there's a lot of them spread all over the country. I notice you have the the honk if you... Uh, the car sticker. What is it? Honk if you don't have classified documents on board. Is that? <laughs> yes, I, I created a, a a fake bumper sticker and put it on a picture. I like to to do those pictures and post them on my social media things. Where uh, honk if you don't have classified documents in your family room. <laughs> but I mean, do you agree with me then? Is I mean, is the problem really not so much that Joe Biden has classified documents, or even that Donald Trump has them? It's just that there are masses of these documents everywhere of varying levels of sensitivity and importance, and there's no clear sort of system for them. Well, that's right. It's a big problem uh, of overclassification, uh, but there are laws against it, so it's not the only problem. If you're caught with them, you're subject to law, and the big problem is that ordinary people who've been in, let's say, the uh, on a submarine have had taken a selfie to send to their girlfriend, a boyfriend, or whatever, and in the background was some piece of equipment that itself is considered classified, and those people have been sent to jail. Mm-hmm. So one of the good aspects of Anglo-American jurisprudence and of the right kind, I would say, of populism is that senior officials shouldn't be treated differently from ordinary people. And so the, the one problem is the classification problem that you state. And the other problem is that given the classification system, people have been sentenced to, to multiple years in jail for violating it, and now we have a lot of people who seem to have uh, done so, some by accident. I'll say two more things. One is a joke that people have, have made about former President Jimmy Carter, who is now in his late 90s, and they said that he has classified documents in his heart, uh, which is something that he once said was that he had not cheated on his wife, but he had lusted in his heart. And apparently that is, uh, that is how he deals with classified documents. But I do think that it's, it would be hard to... The one beneficiary of this is Trump, because now that he's not standing out there all by himself 
as holding classified documents mm. uh, in an unauthorized way. It's hard to imagine they're treating him one way and treating other people differently. I wrote a piece that had made a practical suggestion, and it's one of those great disappointments that when you make, make something that seems like a sensible suggestion, it doesn't get nearly as much attention as if you a- attack somebody or do a high-profile thing. Here's my so-called sensible suggestion. There's a big problem leaving office. You're the president of the United States or the vice president of the United States or secretary of state or secretary of uh, defense or whatever until noon on the day in which your uh, successors are sworn in. You don't have time to go through classified documents. This is something that your aides do. And there are tens of thousands of those documents. So I suggested that we set up a secure place where under the auspices of the National Archives, uh, where all of those boxes could be stored. They would still be under the formal possession of the president or the vice president or whoever, while their aides sorted through them, so that it all wouldn't be done in a rush. An amnesty for classified documents? Well, no, they would still be in a classified setting. Yeah. In other words, they would still be in a, in a secure location that's run by the National Archives, while aides to the president or vice president, who had a security classification, went through those documents to make sure that the president wasn't taking home documents that he or she shouldn't have access to. So it, it would secure them, but it would remove the rush and the time element. And therefore, it would remove the excuse that there was a mistake made because we were in a hurry. Mm. Well, Charles, I think we'll end it there. But thank you very much for coming on to Americana. Great pleasure to have you back on again. It's a great pleasure to have you and I want to tell our audience that both you and I have our dogs in the background that we are busy <laughs> petting even as we are talking about serious matters. You're petting your dog Hippo and I'm petting my dog Sammy. Yes. I think and they both have quite strong views about uh, classified documents. Well, uh, 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 Sammy is very involved in the Ukrainian issue. <laughs> Well, Hippo has chewed uh, many classified documents in her time. So um, I say, my, if my dog had classified documents, he would chew them up. I swear to goodness, he would. He loves chewing paper, and he is he is no respecter of classification. Well, Biden has Alsatians. He should have got them to um, to go through his files. On that note, thank you very much. Uh, do come on again soon. Thank you very much for listening to the Americano podcast. I would like to thank my brilliant producer Natasha Faroz and the rest of the Spectators broadcast team. If you like the podcast, please leave a review on whatever platform you are listening to us on. Thank you very much. God bless America.